2 Kings chapter number 6. I want to read uh, the 8th through the 23rd verse, and then I'll, I'll give you what the Lord has placed on John and I's heart. <laughs> uh, starting at the 8th verse, here's what it says. Uh, when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at, at such and such place, at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the, son, the man of God, uh, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place for the Arameans uh, are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which one of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel about my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet of Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Now, this is a <laughs> unbeliever <laughs> confirming the prophetic word of the Lord in great detail. Uh, Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elijah is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent an great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, they were all blind, you have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I'll take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, my father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not. Elisha replied, do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Uh, so it is my assignment to preach, teach, or heaven falls out of me this evening. Uh, we already won already. <laughs> we already won already. Okay. Will you say that with me? We already won already. Again, we already won already. Again, we already won already. One more time. We already won already. Sounds redundant. Before we leave, the only thing you're going to know <laughs> is that we already won already. Bow your heads. Let's pray. God, thank you for winning. Amen. Uh, the landscape in America right now is what I would like to call cray-cray. Uh, 
Everyone is in a panic. People are losing their minds. They are on edge. Everyone is filled with drama. Everyone's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, every social media account has something expressing some type of distress or some type of worry. Um, and I can understand on many fronts where the concerns come from. But as believers, we have to be reminded that, that we already won already. We're not trying to win. We're not hoping there'll be a victory. It's already been done. And if you allow circumstances or what's even going on in your own life to dictate to you what the truth is that scripture has already said, the enemy will have a field day in your life. He will cause you to be stressed out about stuff that while it may be important to you, God already has it in his hands and in his control. And we already have the victory. I love uh, 2 Kings chapter number 6. Elisha uh, is uh, the man who took over as prophet uh, to Israel during a time of duress and complete upheaval. Uh, Ahab had been king. Jezebel was his wife. There was much more political mess going on in Israel then than there is in America now. There were enemies on all sides. And during this one time that we just read about, the Aramean army is looking to advance on the king of Israel. And uh, there's one problem. There's a prophet in the land. I say again, there was a prophet in the land. See, I'm never concerned about the landscape of any country as long as I know there's a prophetic word in the land. The only time I'll ever fear a season of my life is if I know God's not speaking in that season of my life. As long as God is speaking, I'm good. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care what the circumstance is. I don't care how much drama is going on. As long as I can still hear his voice, I'm good. The only time I'll panic is if I can't hear God's voice anymore. If I can't see a sign that he is with me. So there's a prophetic voice in the land. And every time the king of Aram wanted to attack the Israelites, uh, Elisha would tell them exactly what's going to happen, which is just hilarious to me. I mean, I mean, these guys are, you know, they've got all their plans out and, and they're taking uh, painstaking action and detail, strat strategizing how they're going to move in. And they might spend maybe four to six hours planning what their attack is going to be on Israel. And God just tells uh, Elisha, hey, so here's what they're going to do next. Six hours of planning down the drain off one word from the Lord. <laughs> You could worry all night, lose sleep for five hours, and it could all be done with one word from the Lord. Peace could come back to you with one word from the Lord. So they're all getting all this stuff out, and the king of Aram goes, one of you guys has to be a traitor. This has to be coming from the inside. Somebody's taking the information and going back and telling them everything that we're doing. And I love it. One of the unbelievers of, of uh, the kingdom of Aram says, uh, no, there's a guy, they got a prophet. Like, and I, I just want to clear up 
like how detailed the dude is. Um, like, so he's not just telling about like the plans of your attacks. Like whatever you're thinking when you go to bed at night, God's telling him. Like when you wake up in the morning, whatever you're thinking that might be adversely uh, 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 contagious to the, to the children of Israel, uh, yeah, God's told Elisha about that too. There's really nothing you can do about it. So he goes, there is something I can do about it. I'll bring force. So send all the people out there and send them to his house. And they go out and they surround wherever Elisha is living. And he's in Dothan at the time. And all of these horses and chariots and men are outside. And uh, one of his uh, protégés looks outside and sees all the people. And he goes, ah! Because that's what you do when you get scared. You scream. Ah! They're all outside. They're going to attack us. We're surrounded. And, and listen. Oh, how can I describe this? Elisha. This is the only way I can imagine it based on what Scripture says. Elisha is chilling. Like, he doesn't even get up and look in the window. He's like, oh, they're out there? Yeah, don't worry about that. How can we not worry about that? There's a lot of people out there. They're going to kill us. He's like, yeah, don't, don't even worry about that. What do you mean don't worry about that? We already won already. Don't even worry. Why, why are you even looking outside? We already won already. Why are you watching the news? We already won already. Why are you watching fake news? We already won already. Why are you listening to all of the doom? We already won already. So then Elisha says a prayer. Not for the situation. Oh, Lord, please come. He already knows he's there. We're, we're praying prayers to the Lord like he's not already present in the situation. So he doesn't pray for the situation. He prays for his friend. He says, Lord, would you please open his eyes so that he can see that there are more with us than there are with them. And what I love about God is he was gracious enough to peel whatever fear was uh, in this boy's face back so that he could see across the mountaintops that there were literally more with Elijah and his servant than there were with the soldiers of Aram. While that young boy is getting a revelation of the situation, he then prays, now would you blind the people who came to attack us? God goes, yes, blinds them. Soon as they're blind, he goes out and talks to them. As long as they can see, he didn't talk to them. When he knew he was blind, when they knew that they were blind, he goes out and talks to them, evangelizes them. Hey, how you doing? Came to the wrong spot. Like, you're not even supposed to be here right now. Hey, why don't you guys just follow us, and you're going to need somebody to lead you because you can't see. So just follow us to where we're going, and we're going to take you over here. And they took him to Samaria. They all followed. Then he says, okay, Lord, open up their eyes. When they open up their eyes, they are in enemy territory. Now, you would think this is the, the, the time where we're going to slaughter everybody. This is, this is when you start preaching the sermon about your enemies. God made my enemies my footstool. 
I'm the head and not the tail. Ha. Satan, you thought you won. Ha. Could it be? Could it be that the Lord loves your enemies as much as he loves you? That he would like to give them the opportunity to be redeemed just as much as he gave you? So when their eyes are open, I can imagine they're in a panic now because they're surrounded by enemies. And uh, the king of Israel goes, uh, uh, should we kill him? Should we kill him? And Elisha goes, no, why would you do that? I, I didn't bring them here for you to kill them. Well, this is not the way we treat prisoners of war. Feed them. Now, these people came to kill you. You know that you're covered. You got God with you. You take them to the, well, you take the enemy to the king's camp, the real king, not the, that king. And, and you don't want to kill them? You don't want to see your enemy slaughtered? No, they might want to get saved. Can I, can I change your perspective on whatever you're mad at right now? Across the landscape of America, whatever your hashtag is that you're mad at? Maybe they're blinded for a reason. For you to be able to talk to them and bring them to the king. So that their eyes open up, it's not that you're going to hell, but you have an opportunity to go to heaven. And I would like you to be exposed to the same type of love that I was exposed to, the same type of redemption that I was exposed to, the same type of freedom that I was exposed to, the same type of deliverance that I was exposed to. This is what it means to have already won. When you've already won, you don't fight. You just declare victory. So, so there's three points, as you know. Uh, there's, there's three points, and these points, spoiler alert, they're going to be so redundant. You're going to be like, Tim, I already get it. Why do you keep saying it? Because I told you, there's only one thing you're going to know when you leave today, and that is we already won already. So uh, uh, John 16, Gospel according to St. John, chapter number 16, verse number 33 says this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. This is in red, so this is not like a word that you can try to block. I don't receive that. Mm-mm. Devil is a lie. I don't, mm-mm, I don't receive that word. Many trials and sorrows. I'm blessed. You are blessed. But he said that. I didn't say that. that's in red. You have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Point number one, we won. I told y'all, told y'all, okay? It's going to be real simple tonight. Point number one, we won. Jesus said this before he went to the cross. This is at the end of John chapter number 16, 14, 15, 16. He is talking to his disciples. He is wrapping up, telling them about the promise of the Holy Spirit that he's going to bring. And he says, take heart. There's going to be many trials and many circumstances and sorrows that's going to go through in your life. But take heart. I've already overcome the world. Not I'm about to. 
Hey, guys, look what I do. I'm going to go to the cross, die for your sins, get up on the third day with all power in my hand. Right now, I've already overcome the world. That was enough right there for them to go, well, okay. I don't understand it all. I don't get it all. But if you say it, I have to believe it. It's amazing uh, how sometimes we as believers can get selective amnesia uh, based on whatever's going on in our life right now. We'll believe the word and stand on it in, other, in, in some areas of our lives, but in other areas of our life, it'll, it'll totally go out the window, and you have to be reminded. We already won. He's already overcome the world. But what I love about Jesus is at least he's honest. He told you there's going to be some trials, and there will be some sorrows, but take heart. I've already overcome the world. Don't let those affect what I've already spoken to you about the victory. Let me give you an example of this. Now, let's just say you were uh, in a boxing match. Before the boxing, boxing match began, we are in the back, and I'm rubbing your shoulders. I'm like, man, you're going to knock this person out. You're going to win this fight. Uh, and so, man, d- don't, don't worry about it. Uh, I-, I can tell you right now you're going to win in the sixth round by a knockout. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? Oh man, you're just encouraging me. No, no, I'm telling you right now, you're gonna win this fight in the sixth round by, by, by a knockout. You're gonna knock your opponent out. I, I am? Yeah, you are. But you're gonna go down four times in the first and third rounds. You're gonna go down twice in the first round, you're going down two more times in the third round. I'm sorry, what? I thought you said I was gonna win. You are gonna win. You're gonna win in the seventh round, but you're gonna get punched hard (laughs) in the first round. So hard, you're gonna have to wait for the eight count to stand up. The second time you're gonna get punched, you're gonna be saved by the bell. Well, then, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I want to fight no more if I mean, I, but you're going to win, though. But, but, but I don't want to get punched. But you have on boxing trunks. <laughs> I already taped your hands up. You have on gloves. We just trained for six months. You've been on a diet. You've been, you've been, you've been put into some rigorous discipline and some shape for this. Why are you shocked that you're about to get punched? You are in a fight. This wasn't like a cakewalk. You didn't give your life to Christ to walk down the sidewalk holding hands with the Savior, pointing at flowers that you like and puppies in the window. It's a fight. But what he's promising you is, we won. You've already overcome. You still got to get in the ring. You're going to go down four times. <laughs> but you're going to win. Okay, so that's point number one. Uh, point number two, go to uh, Romans chapter number eight. Romans chapter number eight, one of my favorites. I want to read the 31st to the 37th verse to you. Here's what it says. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? This is Paul wrapping up. Uh, what is probably some of the most robust theological uh, uh, portions of Scripture that you'll find uh, in the New Testament. 
especially Romans 5, 6, 7, uh, and 8. Coming to his conclusion, he says this. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. It didn't say instead of all this. No. Despite all these things, what things? Uh, calamity, trouble, persecution, hunger, destitution, danger, threatening with death. Uh, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Point number two, write it down. We're winning. We won. It's past tense. It's done. Seventh round, it's over. The fight's over. At the end of all of this, when eternity comes to swallow up time, we will all be back with the Savior and we would have won. Until that happens, we're winning. We already won. We take we take comfort in that. We're winning. Well, how are we winning if we already won? It's past tense and now it's present. That's right. It's won because it's already done. He knows the end from the beginning. We're winning because we're in it right now. And we are winning wherever you are right now. You're winning. Well, I don't feel like I'm winning. You are. You're just in that third round. <laughs> you just went down for the third time, and you're like, I do not like this fight. It's not going down the way that I want it to. You're winning. I've been saved now uh, for going on 21 years, actually. January 14th. Yeah, January 14th of 2017, I'll be saved 21 years. I know I look amazing. Um, I cannot tell you how many rounds I've gone where I was on the mat looking up. And I'm, I'm sure uh, that grace abounds because I should have been counted out. <laughs> like the ref had already done this and got to 10 and had done this, and there should have been the bell, and the Lord was like, nope, get up. I'm like, I don't want to get up. I quit. He's like, nope, get up. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. Get up. You can't stay here where you are. Get up. He won't let you stay down. If you've given your life to Jesus, let me tell you something. The moment you give the Holy Spirit to come into your life, he doesn't take your no for an answer. You got to remember, he's a spirit, you're flesh. He has way more time than you do. So that whole, I'm wrestling with God, I don't want to obey his will. Okay. He has much more time than you do. And listen, he's patient. God, I need more power. I need more strength. I already gave you all of it. Get up. But I have an addiction. I can't break the habit. Get up. 
My marriage is in trouble and I don't know if we're going to make it. Get up. We're winning. We're going to win right now. We already won. We're winning right now. Get up. You want to see that thing broken? Get up. You want to see a turnaround? Get up. You cannot stay here. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus. And listen, you're going to have to stand on Scripture, not on the lower third of MSNBC, Fox News, and CNN. Oh, God, what's going to happen next? I can't take it. Well, get back in the Scripture and stand on the Word, not the rumors. Stand on the Word. Not the leading news article at five. We're winning. Point number three. First John, chapter number five. First John's towards the end of your Bible. Chapter number five, verses four and five. Say this. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world. So they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them. Now, here's what's hilarious. I said first John five. And I read first and I read read first John four. And it's still talking about victory. I didn't even try to do that. That is hilarious. Well, preach this then, Holy Spirit. It's not my sermon. It's yours anyway. I didn't even try to do that. It's supposed to be 1 John 5. I went to 4 and it says the same thing. Here's what it says in verse number 5. Even more redundant. Okay? For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. So how do we get victory? By faith. You can't get it by being mad. You have to get it by faith. You can't get it by, oh, oh, I'm going to try. I'm going to do the right thing every day. Oh. All you have to do is believe. The only way that we can get victory is to believe, okay? So we get it by faith. And who can win this battle against the world? So we can only get it by faith, but who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. How many people believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Of God. Okay, well, you already won already. <laughs> you win. It's amazing to me that um, we could get to 2016, I'm about to close it out, going into 2017, and still be as stressed and worried about things like we just met him. I would expect that from a believer who maybe met Jesus last week, gave their life to Jesus on Thursday, still trying to figure it out. But, but if you've been saved longer than like, I don't know, a month, <laughs> you would have enough empirical data of God's faithfulness to rest for the rest of your life. If you have walked with him any length 
of time. I don't think we would have to give you a truth serum for you to be reminded of how faithful he's already been in your life. Anybody? That, that, that if I just said, hey, stand up, we're going to have old school testimony service like we did in the churches I grew up in. Uh, uh, could, I, I doubt any one of us that's been saved longer than 30 days would, would be looking up in the air the way some people look at the McDonald's menu. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what to order. You're at McDonald's. Like, it should, it should be pretty clear. You either want a nasty burger or nasty chicken nuggets or nasty fries. It's like, it's not, it should not be rocket science. I, I doubt if we did kind of like pop-up testimonies, you would have to go, oh, what did he do? Oh. I know he died, but after that, I don't, uh. gets kind of hazy after that. I can't believe can't think of anything good he's done for me since, I mean, I know the blood stuff, but after, uh, what would that be? Think about it. And if that's not coming back to your memory instantaneously, it's because some other junk is blocking the goodness of God. Some other conversations are blocking the goodness of God. Some other worries are blocking the goodness of God. At the end of the day, I, I have to believe that, that, that as much uh, drastic change that is going on all around us, uh, as it all unfolds, I, I have to believe in the same God I believed in 1992, in 1996. In 2001, in 2005, in 2004, when I lost my brother, the same faithful God. What Michael Exum is going through right now, I had to go through with my younger brother, 17 months apart. We grew up like twins. He, he was killed instantly in a car accident. The same faithful God that got me through that has to get me through this because he's faithful. So I have to remind myself of what he's done, not what's going on. I have to be reminded of what he's already done in my life and say, you know what? Instead of looking at this, I will copy and paste 04 to 2016. I will click and drag it all the way over here. Well, he hasn't talked to me and it's been, if, if, if God is really with me, I don't understand why all of this drastic stuff is going on in my life. You got punched. Get up. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of y'all punched yourselves. <laughs> just now. He just said, say that right now. Some of you all knocked your own self out wow. with some bad decisions. You put yourself on the mat, completely missed the enemy, and just clutched yourself right in the chin. <laughs> what happened? I don't understand. Even if you knocked yourself out, please get up. Well, I made a bad decision. And I, get up. Don't stay there. Don't make excuses. Well, I mean, it's my fault, and maybe the Lord just put me like this. I remember, thank you, Holy Spirit. Ooh, I remember uh, 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 I had such a struggle with a porn addiction that the enemy 
used to tell me, uh, this is your life. Like, you're never going to get over it. Here's what he told me. And you should not have children. Because if you have children, that curse that's on you is going to go to your kids. And you are going to just mess up the whole family. So you should just stop right now because you are ruined and you'll never get better. And the whole time he was saying that, here's what the Holy Spirit was saying. Get up. Get up. I want to get up. I mean, I'm so sad and I was broken and I've been doing this for so long and I can't get out of it. Get up. Nine, ten. Lord, just let the bell ring because I've tried and it's just like. <laughs> Ref kept going. Eleven, twelve, thirteen. 72. What kind of fight is this? Is this an MMA match? Where's the, how do you get out of here? Is it a steel cage? How come it's not over? Because as long as God is present in the situation, it's not over. And so I got up. And we have two beautiful children who are blissfully ignorant to any of the stuff that I went through. I got molested when I was eight years old. My son's eight right now. I don't live in fear. Oh God, Jesus, he's eight. Please don't let, I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. My children are covered. I'm not gonna live in worry. I'm not gonna live in fear. I'm gonna live my life. We won. We already won already. Sickness, disease, bondage, strife, we win. We have overwhelming victory in Christ Jesus. So we won. We're winning. What's the third one? We win. This is going to be the easiest sermon for y'all to preach this week. We preached a sermon on winning, and so we won. <laughs> We're winning, and we win. But here's the thing. I'm not trying to convince you of this. I'm just reading you the scriptures. Listen, the only thing I can leave you with, I can't really leave you with an encouraging word if it's outside of this book. It'd be motivational, but motivation wears off. This is the only thing that can't return void. That's why I can't give you a motivational sermon. You know, you're good. You're going to be great. You're just awesome. Life is just filled with bubbles and cheese. And those two things don't even match. Cheese makes bubbles. Anyway, um, I don't know. See, I, I clearly can't be motivational. I would, <laughs> this church would empty out really quick. Like, he's horrible. I just can't even. I, I, I don't I want don't to be your hype man. <laughs> I want to be your reminder of what we already know but sometimes forget because life does get crazy. But we have to be reminded, we won, we're winning, and we win. So whatever the situation is in your life right now, apply the scripture to it. I, I, it's a cheat sheet. I gave you scriptures for this. So you can open up 1 John 5 or 4. <laughs> you can go to Romans 8. You can go to John 16 and point to scripture and just apply it to whatever the situation is in your life. We've overcome. 
We're winning. We overcome. We are overcoming. And we have overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So we already won already. So let's do something. I know it's going to sound weird. Get up. Everybody stand up. This will be weird, but just do it anyway. Okay. So grab hands with somebody. Grab hands with somebody. If you're like off on an island by yourself, move in. Don't be isolated. Okay. Now, lift, lift the hands up. Okay. Now, here's what happens in uh, a boxing match. In a boxing match, the referee stands in between two opponents and waits for the scorecards to be read, unless there's a knockout. If there's a knockout, there's, <laughs> we don't need to go to the scorecards. It's obvious what happens. And then somebody's voice will come on, and the winner is, and they'll say the, the person's name. All right, now, here's what I want you to understand. Uh, somebody got in the ring and fought for you, took every blow for you, and is now telling you to get in the ring of a fight that's fixed. The whole thing's rigged. We're watching the whole thing play out, and he already knows. I know who wins the fight. It's not even a, <laughs> I don't need, it's not a nail biter. I can go get chips <laughs> if they're in heaven, <laughs> okay? Because I already know who wins this fight. I already fought it. I just want, this is a simulated exercise that I just want them to get in on so they know what it feels like to have victory. And the winner is you. And the winner is you. And the winner is you. You won. That person that lifted your hand up, I just want you to think for a moment if that was God the Father that came down here and picked your hand up and just lifted it and you're sitting there to yourself, no, I didn't. <laughs> I got a pack of cigarettes in the car right now. I didn't win. You're winning. You still here. Get back up. You're going to win. Well, 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 my marriage is in trouble. And the winner is marriage. <laughs> Not divorce. Marriage. Addictions, I still got strong. And the winner is freedom. Deliverance. Breakthrough. Well, there's some poverty and I still got some. And the winner is financial freedom and stewardship. Mm -hmm. Y'all yeah, was like, oh, well, listen, I didn't, wow, okay, so I can't buy a Louis Vuitton bag. No, you can't, on payments, $50 a month for the next 830 months, on a 27% interest, so you can look cute in the airport. Get your life back. It's ridiculous. And the winner is you. <laughs>